Yo, what's going on, man? How you been? I'm good, man. How about yourself, man? I'm good, man. Good, good. I'm sorry. Good evening. That's usually how we greet each other, man. <laughs> yeah, good evening. <laughs> man, brother, how's your week been, man? It's uh, it's a lot going on in the world, and it's a lot coming up this week, so I just wanted to know, how was your week, man? You know, man, my week was good, man. Uh, we uh, uh, we had a get-together on Saturday, a little family get-together, first time in a while. Uh, with everything that's going on it was kind of interesting man my father-in-law um, and his significant other they had their mask on um, so it was just interesting to see man it was it was it's you know it's still a lot going on man we're still in the middle of a pandemic man. brother that's an understatement man and you know I think that's the thing that's been making it the toughest you know doing things with that understanding um, for me man this weekend was really uh it was a mix of busy and a mix of uh, trying to take it easy, man. I, I celebrated my dad's birthday today, like I was telling you, man. He'll be 82 uh, on Tuesday, man. So just thankful he's still here. Uh, and then other than that, man, uh, getting used to this whole raking the yard, man. I was raking and bagging up all Saturday and then putting stuff in the mail Saturday morning. So I was on go, man. Yeah, happy early birthday to your pops, man. Um. About about the leaves, man. That's interesting because where I live, you know, we're we're it's already been snowing, right? It started snowing today. Oh man! Um, but at my home, we have trees in the front, we have trees in the back, but our leaves on our trees fall really late for some reason, like too late in the season to actually rake up. So we have to rake up in the spring. But I'm I'm outside bagging up now because my neighbors have a different type of tree that comes into my yard. So. Um, I get it on the front and the back end, man. So, um, yeah, I know. Get get used to the whole leaves thing, man, because it's it's every year, every year you'll be doing this. Yeah, man, I'm seeing that. You know, and I, and it's funny. You know, I was talking to my fiance, and she was just like, "I know you hate yard work." I was like, "I don't know who told you that." I actually like yard work because, you know, yard work actually allows me to work without having to have a conversation sometimes and you know it's just it's just zen time so nah it's all good you know what i'm saying yeah i put in my airpods man and i do my yard work and it's it's peaceful it's alone time man and uh yeah and, and you could own it you could do it the way that you want to you can make your yard look the way you want to and not too many people gonna have too much to say about it pretty much man and that's when i get my you know my podcast in that i've been missing and you know, between that and my uninterrupted time on Monday mornings, man, I, I have to. And I, I suggest everybody have some uninterrupted time where you just can just be alone. You know what I'm saying? It's important as a as a black person and as a black man in particular. Yeah, man. So what's your plan for uh, what's going to happen on Tuesday? I don't think we'll know all the results by Ooh, Tuesday night. But, so but what's your plan, man? You guys going to have a. A man, watch party, watch party, man. I'm gonna be funky with you, man. I'll be back in uh in middle GA doing my thing, so you know I'll probably be taking it easy, man. And um, I really don't anticipate doing much. Um, there's really a, a rebellious part of me that's like, yo, just go to bed because you know what the results are gonna be. Uh, but I don't know, man. I I probably call and really just call check on my fiance, make sure she's good. I know you know she's gonna you know, really be tuned into it, but just really taking it easy, man. If I could, I would take off work Wednesday, uh, and just, you know, sit at the crib and just relax. But, uh, just, man, just peep the results, probably wake up Wednesday morning to see him. And then, you know, for us another day in the office. Yeah. And, you know, for, to be honest with you, man, um, 
I don't think we'll know the results for about a, a, a smooth week or two. Um, I don't think that they're going to call it. I think both presidents, I think both candidates are going to hold off on conceding because uh, we still what happened with George Bush and Al Gore. You know, he, he conceded, but I believe if Al Gore would have allowed all the ballots to be counted, I think we would have um, had to look into a recount, not just in Florida, um, because I think a lot of things happened that, that we now can look back on and say we need to be more patient uh, when we do these things. So I think it's going to be real interesting. I'm starting to have a... I, I'm starting to have a feeling now, you know, and I'll go ahead and be honest here. I'm starting to feel like it's going to switch to uh, Democratic leadership. For the past six, seven months, I've been thinking, hey, listen, the current president is going to wipe the floor with uh, Joe Biden because of just, just the state of people not feeling like America is a place that we want to participate in politics with on that level. So, but I've been feeling a little bit different and it's not even hope, right? I think I just starting to read the room where a lot of people are just, are just voting, whether they're engaged and whether they're, you know, this is who they really want. They're voting because of what we have seen, especially during the pandemic and how we are as a country during a pandemic. Nah, man, I think that's a good point. And I just want to reiterate that I did vote Friday. Um, I got it in and I was always going to vote. I was never in question. I was never suggesting that people should vote third party, even though I respect people's right to. Um, I, I think the big thing I just kept saying was I just I know definitively after this that I'm going to do whatever I have to do personally to make sure I don't ever find myself in a situation where I'm feeling compelled to uh you know, be caught up in the best of two or the lesser of two evils. But, you know, for me, I think I felt kind of the same as I felt before, man. I, I do. I am encouraged by more people voting. I am encouraged by the early voting numbers. But, man, I was listening to like uh, Michael Moore's podcast, you know, the dude who did Fahrenheit uh, 9-11 and Fahrenheit 11-9 about, yeah. you know, Trump. And, man, I just feel like him. You know, I really genuinely in my heart think that even after the election is 60 days before January, he's going to try to force in another Supreme Court justice. He's, you know what I'm saying? And when he was really running it down, I, my hope kind of went down a little bit. I'm not saying it was hope per se, but I just was like, man, the, the last two Republicans to win were won by electoral votes and the other presidents that won was by popular vote. And I think that's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at, you know, a lot of people are voting. I do think, it's, it's something to be excited about, but there's just a cynical part of me like, man, the Electoral College and Supreme Court is sold up. Yeah, and, and I was actually talking to a mutual friend today trying to understand, like, so what would it take for him not to be able to challenge, right? What would it take for uh, 45 to not be able to challenge the results? Because if he challenged, then it goes to the Supreme Court eventually, and they have the say, Right. And I'm trying to understand how they have the say. Do they have the say of like, oh, no, we just think it's in the best interest or this is who I think wanted, Or is it an actual black and white? Like, here are the actual numbers. And that's why, you know, I don't have faith in the American political system itself. Forget the people involved in it. I just don't have faith in the system because, again, 
this is the only country where the majority of the people doesn't mean that just because majority of the people think one way doesn't mean that it's going to go that way. The minority has the say unless it comes into um, like anything else we do, right? Like I work for a company, like who cares? Who cares what the minority of the people have to say? It's the majority wins, right? But when it comes to American politics, it's like, hey, I know most of you guys believe it should be this way, but the powerful people feel it should be this way, and we're going to go with that. And that's pretty much what it comes down to, man. And, um, you know, I was I had something I was going to say based off that, but that's that's really it, man. I think, oh, yeah, I was going to say, I've I really been trying to do research into the history of the Electoral College, why it came to be. And ultimately, man, you know, I'm going to just say the framers, they presented it like the framers didn't believe that the popular vote you know, they were split. Some people didn't believe popular votes should decide the president. Other people felt like, you know, um, aside from popular vote that, you know, uh, they felt as if, you know, someone else should be able to pick it. And they put the electoral in place, you know, and just basically said we're going to have a group of elected voters to decide it. And it's, it's just wild that, you know, a lot of times we think about the Dems as being on the defense, but the Dems was in control since like since 1988. They've been in control most of those years. And not one time had they thought to pack the house. Not once did they think to, you know, do any of the things that the Republicans doing. And then everything is presented under we're, we're righteous and moral and liberal. But it's like, is that really it? You know, I ain't, ain't going to go down that path because it's a different type of convo today. But I'll just say it's definitely going to get very interesting. Um, I'm going to get somewhere and sit down uh, Tuesday night, you know what I'm saying, after I do what I got to do. Uh, but it's just, it's going to be interesting, man. Hopefully it, it doesn't become a, a violent thing, but you know, you know how that goes. I want, I want your opinion on something. I want your opinion on, uh, and we, we kind of talked about this, but we kind of teetered around it, but... I really want to know what what's your take on gun ownership and and how black people should move forward with gun ownership. Yeah, man, I think we had a convo about that, and I was telling you, man, I took a uh, me and my fiance took a, a gun class, and uh, for us, you know, for me, I'll be real, I'm I'm kind of split on it, but I'm leaning more towards uh, owning owning guns and using them frequently. Because at first, I was kind of like, man, you know, having a gun invites the idea of re- returning. Or to me, I feel like, hey, if you have a gun, you're going to have to use a gun. So don't have one. But the reality of the situation is we're seeing too many instances of people minding their own, being attacked. And ultimately, you have to protect your family because that's the most important thing that you got in the world. So, you know, and I think I can't study history and not look at how armed resistance has not kept us alive, man. Like, no matter what you say with black people, we at all points were armed and we were always fighting. Even when you learn about... You know, in Jamaica, when you had the maroon communities, the people that escaped from slavery and were living in the mountain, they were armed. And they were in Jamaica doing that. They were in Peru doing that. They were in Panama doing that. You know what I'm saying? We we always had armed resistance. Before the Black Panthers came to be, you know, we had the Deacons for Defense. We've always been armed when we've dealt with a world that don't want us. So we need to have guns. And that's where I'm at with it. You know what I'm saying? And... And I've never, I've been more like you where it's like, hey, listen, I'm just going to operate in a space to where I don't need one. But I've been doing a lot of research. I've been doing a lot of reading and I've been doing a lot of 
communicating with with people and I realized something it's owning one doesn't make me feel like I have to use it owning one has given it has made me feel like I am more prepared in the event that I have to use it I dig and and it and it's been a again my wife isn't really like she's okay with me owning them and having them in the house but she is a little bit nervous about them because we have two sons right um but what I really have noticed about owning a gun and I take a class a a concealed license class later this month uh but what I've really noticed about gun ownership in the black community is it's not that we don't desire to own them we don't know how we can use them and still feel like we are in our legal right a lot of us have been in positions or know people where guns were never on our side right it's 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 always been approved by people in power to have them to cause harm to us and even when we're talking about crime like okay somebody shot somebody but most people are dealt with you know there's justice involved like oh you shot somebody you go to jail but that's never in legal gun ownership. And anytime that we hear of legal gun ownership, it's police officers or like militias who do crimes and we just find a way to arrest them and then send them back out onto the streets. But I really think that the more we progress through this life and the more we are exposed to the minds of the people who don't really want us here, excuse me, want us here, I think all of us should be well-versed with the understanding and how to use guns. I don't think you necessarily have to own 50 guns and a million bullets, but I think it would be healthy for a lot of us to understand the value of protection with a gun, not the value of what you're going to go do with a gun. No, and I agree with that, man. And, I, you know, I, I was going to swing that around and say, you know, I think as where I'm at now with it is I'm definitely, oh, I always have been, I'm definitely for having a gun to protect, you know, my property, you know, have my home or to protect my spouse, you know, stuff like that. Cause that's, that's of the utmost importance. And, you know, even from a basic level, you know, basic castle doctrine, you know, some general information, but I say that to say two things, you know, gun ownership and, and people seeking guns in the black community has risen this year tremendously, man. Naga, you know, the, the, basically the black NRA, I think NACA, they've been, you know, they've gotten an uproar in membership and people seeking classes. And that's, that's dope, man. And I think that's important. I got a good friend of mine, man, with, you know, who's married with kids and he's always been a big gun proponent and he's taught his kids, you know, gun safety and instructed them on why you need to be safe with them. So I, I definitely think they got a place in our community it's important that we learn the legal ramifications of it. Um, so, no, I agree with you on that. I just, you know, I think my resistance has always been, I've seen how they, how they affect people that look like us. And even when things are black and white, like I look at the Philando Castile thing, the NRA didn't say anything on purpose of that because they knew, they knew what that was. They knew that the man had his gun. He was registered. He announced that he had the gun. He did everything legally and lawfully he was supposed to do. And, and that's the that's that's what I mean. That's where the fear and I mean and I don't mean to cut you off, but that's where the fear comes into play in the in the concern that we all have. And I tie that into, you know, this upcoming election. It's I don't know 
how anyone's going to be safe afterwards because I do believe that some of the people who are not well versed in reality are really under the under the impression that some people are here to like commit voter fraud. So, and I am not one of those people. Do I think there's a lot of corruption in the, in this country? Yes. Do I think voter suppression is real? That is what I really believe in. But I don't believe that someone mailing in a ballot is voter fraud. And if some, if the, if Joe Biden wins, and you know, let's just say that he, a lot of his supporters did mail in their ballots, we have a large segment of this society who thinks that. It's time to retaliate because they're stealing our country and going to turn us into some type of socialist world or communist world. And do I think they're going to go door to door? No. But do I think that there will be a lot more just random, random acts of violence? Yeah. Random acts of violence from people who believe that they can protect America from, for lack of a better term, Americans, because that's what this would be. That's why I think it's very important. You know, they coming up and down your street. You need to be able to show that you are prepared for a fight as well and that you're not just built to be a victim of random acts of violence. No, and I agree with that, man. And that, and that's basically 100% where I stand with that situation. Um, and I, I think that's ultimately what it comes down to, man, random acts of violence from people to basically retaliate and... So yeah, I, I definitely think that's important. Um, I you know I also think, you know, one person has indoctrinated their base to believe, like you were saying, that mail-in ballots are you know are voter fraud, even though their president mailed his ballot in. Um, I just think you know, I think in one hand we've done a they've done a good job in effectively dividing the country, so it's really a loss either way. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It is because as, as you know, outside of what we're talking about weapons, just talking about, you know, everyday life, most people are much closer than what we appear to be on the internet and how we appear politically. There's just two to three things that make people stand as if they're against each other. Like me and me and someone can have very, very similar ideas, but we're separated by one term are you pro-life or are you pro-choice and i was explaining to someone else the other day like most people aren't pro-life or pro-choice most people are just hey i don't want to be involved in another person's decision and other people are and i feel as if we should legislate what people do that's really what it comes down to and that's just a a big topic pro-choice pro-life it's like are we really, really that dense to where we're going to let that separate all of the people who are on, like, we're all working class, middle class, or poor people. We're being separated by the 1%, and none of this matters to them, because if they want to keep their child, they will. If they want to pay a doctor on the side $5 million to perform a procedure, they're going to do that anyway. It has nothing to do with them, but they make you and I stand like we're 50 feet apart when we're really kind of on the same page on most and and you know ultimately i didn't mean to cut you off but ultimately that's the issue man the issue is on one level 
we've effectively divided people to where they can't see the basic issue of class. Like race and gender is being used to divide people from seeing how economically we're all being taken advantage of. Unless you're rich, you're poor. And you're being taken advantage of. And even black rich is not really rich. It's, it's levels to it, unless you're Oprah or you're a billionaire. I think they were saying like 78 uh, black billion, uh, 78 billionaires or something like that. Uh, 78 black billionaires or something like that. I could have sworn of something I read. But I say that to say we're being divided on the issue of race and gender. And, you know, to even go in that same vein, what's really wild is we've also effectively through social media and other things, we've now presented in the, the dynamic of excusing the totality of what a person represents by one view. If you can say why you're not rocking with somebody because of a political, uh, gender, uh, or sexual view, then you've effectively made sure that you cannot be unified. And without unity, you don't have anything. All you have to do is say, uh, Sam disagreed with me on this one point, so I can't rock with Sam as a whole person. Like on a basic level, I can't I can't even see his humanity because I feel like this violates my sense of humanity, even if that's not the case. We've, we've effectively driven that wedge in. And, you know, it's crazy because people can see bots and they can see, you know, government interference by other countries but we can't see how we've been created to divide we've created division and we encourage division every day and the real people that are really benefiting from it are people who economically are taking advantage of us you know what's really funny about all this this conversation is that if you and i were holding this conversation 13 years ago on the steps of moore hall shout out to fort valley moore hall is shout, gone. It shout it out dang it's gone but bro. It, it wouldn't be a political conversation. And this is not a political podcast. We're just talking, right? Yeah, that's But right. talking about division in the country based on a few different things isn't politics. But everything has been documented as politics now that you can't have a conversation. We're literally in the middle of like a pandemic. Numbers is going out the, out the window. And we're talking about is a mask freedom or not freedom? Like everything is broken down into a political stance when... Hey, all we're talking about is like people's rights or people's abilities. Like human rights is not a political issue, but like you said, they created an atmosphere where it's so divisive that we're really doing the work for them. Every time you get on the internet and tweet something, you know, whether it's conservative or liberal, you're doing the work of divisiveness for these 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 uh, politicians. And you know, to piggyback off that, I'm a, I'm gonna come back to this show on Netflix, Grand Army, that I just started watching. But I'm going to say this. Here, here's here's where we're at and what makes this, I guess, whole thing so weird. Like you were saying, we've literally made everything a political issue to where now I can disagree with you on one part. And it it goes from a respectfully allowing you to disagree to you politically. It, it becomes a political thing. I disagree with what you said, then I don't support you. And then you make it a political issue. You you literally and like I said, the most irresponsible things is we've had black people with with elevated statuses, the blue checks and the blue checks. Really, a lot of them let us down this year, man. They really promoted a lot of divisive and untrue ways of thinking just to get tweets and to get likes, man. And it, it's just sickening. And, you know, I mentioned Grand Army because it's the show on Netflix and it's like talking about Gen Z. But one of the things that got me was 
you're now in a time where things that weren't per se things that you thought about are now things that you have to think about. Like they're high school students, right? In Brooklyn. And there's this one girl, uh, she decided to protest her teacher saying something about it. She decided to come to school and not wear a bra. And, you know, the teacher kicked out of class, said that it was a disruption. Well, on a real level, Supreme Court, you know, that becomes a Supreme Court issue because the Supreme Court says, you know, when it comes to what you can dress, and I'm not quoting it directly, it, it really comes down to is it disturbing the environment? Well, then her principal makes the argument that, you know, it is a disruption. She makes the argument, how is her natural body a disruption? But I, I say that just to say now everything becomes an issue on a bigger and smaller level. And now things in our community that were just table topics now get put on a, a platform, blue checks buy into it, and they tell us, yeah, these 18% we think that's going to vote for Trump are now the reason why Trump could win. Not the five, not the six, three Supreme Court, not the Electoral College, but the 18% black voters are the reason why. Wow. It's, I don't know, man. Um, you know, I have fatigue on a few different things. You know, I have pandemic fatigue. I have, I have, you know, political fatigue and you have to push through it. And I, I'm laughing, you know, just thinking about all this because I remember in the middle of February when, you know, everything kicked off with Corona virus and different things like that. And I, I think about it, man, I've been home seven months, right? Home, working at home for seven months. I've been, you know, trying my best to be as safe as possible. But it's so many things going on in the world, man. And like, of course, I live at home with my wife, my children, um, and it's 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 an interesting aspect. And I wonder how how not not to dismiss women, but wonder how black men are doing mentally at home. Oh right? my god! With not necessarily no outlets because our families should be our outlets, but it's so it's such an, an intriguing time, man. With like the whole election not not seriously but you know on on the social network social networks the the entire election weighs on us the 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 aspect of all these things that are going to be changing politically weighs on us and it's like you know it doesn't right <laughs> like like and bro like, you know the hardest part i think and you know i know people are going to say Y'all spend off. No, you know, if you're listening to this, you know that we focusing on black men because it's our space. So you know that. But I, I think the thing that's the, the craziest, man, is like, where do you go to find like a reprieve? Like in your own personal life, you have your own like, you know, aside from your familial obligations as a son, as a husband, as a dad, whatever, as a man, you, you have to find time for yourself as a man. Like I literally... Like I was telling you, Monday mornings when I drive into work, that's time for me to just have to myself. It's not really stressful because I get to think. But how many brothers are looking for that time? And when you, you go into to mindlessly drift away and you click on social and all you see is nothing but negative energy, because that's really all it is. Because like you said, the life outside of the Internet, we, we've literally created a generation now where we believe that what people say behind a screen is reality. And it's not. It's not, man. And it, and it's wild because people got brothers, people have sisters, and they are really allowing, and they have family members and people that they really allow social media to let them believe that black women are difficult or that black men hate them. 
and, and even though we know that these are generalizations and there's no data to support a mass number of black men or women feeling one way, we are still allowing this to shape us, man. So it, it's for me, I'm trying to be strong for my fiance. I'm trying to be strong for my family. But there's always just real moments where I'd be like, dude, do, do people understand the pressure I feel? You know what I'm saying? And you do because we talk about it. But it's a lot of brothers that feel pressure and they're not complaining. They're not crying about it. But that don't mean that they ain't feeling it. You know what I'm saying? And and that's that's really that's really is exactly why I enjoy our time here on this pod, because, you know, it's just a little bit of free time for us to talk about everything that's going on in the world. And I know we touched on, you know, many different topics, but. It's just really important to acknowledge, like, man, we need some mental freedom and some mental space because the burdens are heavy on everybody and we are part of everybody. But it seems as if we don't really get acknowledged as part of the people who carry a heavy burden. We don't, man. And I I think and I think what happens when you say this is what happens because people all lives matter, black men, when they talk to when I say, yo, I have a heavy burden. Everybody has a heavy burden. I have on heavy burden my own. We're not saying that you don't. We're not saying that our burden is any more important than yours. But only I can focus on what I'm carrying. If I'm in the desert and and I'm thirsty and you hungry, that is just two different things. It doesn't mean they're not important. It just means I'm saying I'm thirsty. So with that being said, you know, what we carry is heavy in different ways because it's just about not being able to show like, you know, it's times I talk to you and I know what you telling me is not what you really want to say, but I respect that because you understand that I got my own stuff I'm carrying. But I, but you also know that even when you didn't tell me what you were carrying, I know what you're carrying. And I, and I'm saying in love to you, like respect. I know you out there doing your thing. And you know, that's, that's a different thing. I know you got to be strong for your sons. I know you got to be strong for your mom. You got to be strong for your wife. You got to be strong at your job. You got to get that money. You're in the middle of a pandemic. You can't. And it's just people don't understand that, man. I feel the same way as my fiance about not being able to travel. I feel, you know, my in a span of six to eight months, I saw my parents decline, not being able to be active. And I ain't saying that for sympathy. But I'm just saying that to say in the midst of that, I haven't been working at home the whole seven months and I got kids coming back to work tomorrow at my job. And now I got to make sure I got to stay safe from them, not endanger them, not endanger myself, not endanger my family. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Speaking of that. um, So children come back tomorrow, like like they have to wear masks all day. I'm assuming what is the protocols for like, how, how is this going to work for you guys, man? So from what I've seen, it's going to be, they're going to come, it's going to be hybrid. They'll come in for like a, maybe like two days out the week and then they'll be home three as what I've been hearing. They've been passing out a lot of, you know, uh, cleaning supplies to like purify the air in the classrooms. Um, but to, but to be frank with you, man, I really don't know. And I, and I think the reality of the situation there's a lot of things that I, this is how I personally feel. I am mad at the system. I am mad at a system that's putting kids in danger and putting adults at danger for the sake of test scores. And I hear people saying that we need kids in school because parents got to work and all that stuff. I'm mad at a system that prioritizes putting kids in danger as opposed to giving people a, a equal access to society. We literally telling kids they have to go to school. To learn what in the middle of a pandemic? 
to take a test because that's all it is. They're taking a test that's worth five to ten percent of a grade to show that they're making progress. You putting adult, you putting adults at danger. I'm, and we're over here doing all this work. And I know teachers feel the same way I feel. Is this really worth it? Is this really gonna move the needle? What is this? What am, what am I accomplishing by this? And I understand the babies can't stay at home all day. And I understand that they we got to think about their mental health too. But we also got to think about their lives too. That's the <laughs> that is the interesting part. Like what you just said, it's like. We got to think about their mental health. We got to think about making sure that they continue to advance in life. In life, but their health is taking a backseat to all of that. How intelligent are you going to be if you can't make it? You know, if you have five years down the road, you're having complications from a virus that we don't know long-term information about. And I know up here the schools, you know, schools are open, and you know my son's school is open. And they, like I said, they have to wear a mask every day. They have to wear masks every day, all day. They have to wash their hands like multiple times a day. We send them to school with hand sanitizer and all these precautions. And I'm just wondering why isn't this a state, like, isn't it, it should be a federal thing. It should also be a statewide thing, but everything is left up to each district, I believe. Is it the same down in the state where you are? Pretty much, man. They're giving districts the uh, the ability, they, they, like the, the state sets the guidelines for how you should open up. And then they're giving districts the flexibility to decide whether or not they want to return physically or not. And so there are a lot of districts where kids are coming back and maybe they're not having any major issues. And God willing, we won't either. But for me, this is just me personally. And I know it doesn't make any sense to some people. I felt as if this was one of this was one industry where because we weren't prepared, I understand why people got to come back. But we really should have just said, you know what? This going to have to be a year that we got to make up. But we just need to let these kids continue to work from at home and go from there. And and as an adult, I, I understand why I have to go because I have to give off the appearance that I'm working. But when I hear people in corporate working from at home, I'm a little confused. So I get held to this standard, not paid to this standard. And then I have other people's kids in my in my area that I could endanger or could endanger me. That's wild, man. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest with you. Like, I'm working at home. The big key on why we are working at home is because I work in an office where uh, it's just not going to be conducive for people to have a mask on all day, the amount of talking we're doing uh, to each other. Um, just It's just not conducive to to a place where we are not doing what we normally do and in sales we need to encourage each other we need to high fives we need to you know that it's just what we do man and i think about teachers going back it's like well i understand why they have to but it just goes to show that the system isn't really built on making a better place for children the system is really just we need to free up space because the society that we lives in live in is based off of people working and school is it's just a factor of us being able to go to go to work it has nothing to do about the well-being of the child in my personal opinion it doesn't man it's just to keep the system moving but i think this is the part where i'm confused at and i'm a, it's gonna sound like how it's gonna sound we literally had people 
we have people pushing people to vote for politicians that's not reforming the system but doing the same things. Like yo, that's that's wild to me a little bit. Like both, it, both, both. I get why we have to get Trump out there. I ain't against that. But we literally voting for two almost eighty year old white men that both fundamentally want the world to stay the exact same. Power structure. It, it, it's all it's all about power structure and yeah, man. I I just don't know. I just don't know how safe it is for teachers to be environments where children are man. going home to different homes every day and coming back into the same building, exactly bouncing off of each other. Now, now, quick question here: What's the grade level for the children that you're in the school that you're in? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm working out of an elementary, but all, you know, K-12 kids are going to be coming back. So it's K to five where I'm at, or no, it might be, it might be K-8. I take that back. Uh, but you know, like I said, they've, you know, they're going to thoroughly clean the school down. They're going to put the precautions in place. But, you know, for me, I just, I understand why it's necessary for my, for the work that I need to get done. Them being there physically is a part of it. So I, I get it. But the other part of me is like, how how important is the work I'm really doing if it requires them to risk their lives to to get it done? You get what I'm saying? I definitely get what you're saying, man. And and you know, I teachers think- have families. That's all I'm. I just know. Teachers have families. Like we have friends that are teachers. They have kids. They got families. They got to come home too. I the um, and, and you know we don't have to stay on this part here, but. The part that I guess really sticks to my mind is I always thought what we should do is elementary school, I think it's easier for them to come back and you kind of control that environment. Yes, agreed. I felt like all high school should be digital because they're old enough to understand the process of school. They understand the importance of it. They understand hey, I need to do this so I can get to the next level. And we should be able to spread out all of the elementary and middle school kids throughout all the buildings and the districts. So there's no high school kids in a high school. So put all the middle school kids in, you know, the high school and spread them all out. So therefore you have some space, you have guidelines, but it seems like they're, I don't, and again, I don't think they're packing them into buildings because I haven't heard any of that. No, I heard a lot no. of guidelines, but I believe that you would have even more space for not just the students, but for the teachers to feel safe if you opened up the buildings and sent high school kids home. I'll just say this, man, and I'm a, I'll leave it at this. Anybody that's ever taught young children know how easily they bring germs, and it's not being disrespectful, but kids, man, they touch, they get into things. Yep. And if you've taught or worked in elementary school, you know how easy it is to catch a bug or catch, a, you know, something. And we're expecting kids, to, and I'm not saying kids can't do it, kids can, but we're expecting kids to have the maturity to, they're going to have to learn the, the mask etiquette and being comfortable in that type of setting. We still got adults that ain't mastered it. So it's, that's not to excuse them. Kids can do it. It's just one of those things where, unless it were elementary school kids who absolutely need to be in front of a teacher because it's just absolutely paramount, everybody else, you know, like high school, like you said, high school should all be virtual because that's just real life. And in college, you're going to take some online classes. You How you learn and what you got to do, sometimes you're just going to put that to the side. But um, 
I say that just to say, man, it's going to be a good experiment to see. Uh, and I don't mean it like how it sounds, but we're going to see how it goes. You know, God is in control. I'm sure that, you know, things will work out the way they're supposed to. But I'm just going to try to mitigate my risk like I've been doing, which is by staying on my side and staying out of the way. Yeah, man. I um, It's just a lot going on, man. It's just a lot. Every day you're thinking, you know, rigorously about just many different things right now. And it's just, man. I mean, we're, we're still blessed, man. You know, we're still blessed. You know, you know, you don't want to sit up here and complain, but it's just so much going on. And I just wonder, I just wonder when we are going to get a break from, from bad decision-making and bad leadership. Cause oh, that's really big. I agree, man. And, you know, I, I do want to say that if you're listening still at this point, shout out to the people that always are. If you're listening still at this point, you understand where we're coming from. We're not complaining. We're just stating what it is. We're blessed. We're not in the hospital right now. We ain't had to bury anybody right now. We still got food in our in our fridges. We still got money in our pocket. Our houses and everything is still intact. We we blessed. So, you know, if it seems like we vented, we're just venting. If it seems like we're complaining, we're not. Um but I, I say to say what you all need to know. We just need to, we all are praying for that reprieve and we're praying that, you know, things move in the right direction. But I, I think the thing that I felt, I felt uh, someone said earlier this year that I agree with, they said Trump was a good thing in the sense of, I think Dame Dash said it, Trump made us all realize if we didn't do nothing, we really are like scared. And I was like, he's right. And if after this year, if you were someone who didn't think about being active in politics or running for office or learning more about office, then something's wrong with you. You know, if you didn't think about it or talk about it at all this year, something was off. So, you know, I think more than anything, other than keeping ourselves safe, the conversation has got to be where do we go individually and collectively? You know, who's running for offices? Who's going to take the task of educating people about politics? Who's going to take the task of, you know, community organizations? Who's going to start volunteering? I know I am. You know what I'm saying? I got a question for you, man. <laughs> a little little off topic. Tell me something, though. <laughs> maybe a little silly. What is wrong with T.I.? <laughs> hey, bro. So let, let's keep it real. Okay. So on a, on a real level, <laughs> no, he could not have competed with 50 Cent. What I mean by that is 50 Cent has sold more records to him and has bigger records to him, but he does not have 20 singles. I just stand by that. But, bro, I'll just be real, man. I think the lack of attention a lot of celebrities got this year, it just showed some things about them. A lot of celebrities have really just showed us who they really were this year, man. And he is one of them. I love his music, and I would never say he's not talented, man, but... uh, that elevator don't go all the way up on certain things, dog. But I still he, think twenty songs though. He twenty songs, fifty ain't got twenty songs better than Tiato. I stand by that though. But but it's two parts to this though, right? It's past the music because I seen Ti. Oh, the COVID uh, PSA. <laughs> the COVID PSA. The okay, but let, let let's circle back to the fifty and so what I've learned about these verses, you know, shout out to Swizz, man, but um. What I learned about this verse is it's not necessarily 20 singles. It's 20 records that you remember that you still think is is dope. I don't necessarily know. That's why I think this T.I. versus Jeezy, people are easily siding with T.I. 
But nah, Jeezy got some bangers nah, that people listen. Say. That first TM one on one, like if you just start two through eleven, you might he look look it's it might be over. <laughs> and that's what right? somebody was saying. They said, uh, my brother, my younger brother, it was funny when you sent that. He said when. When you hear, I went from old school Chevy to drop top Porsches. You just need to cut your computer down. I was like, yeah, I ain't gonna <laughs> yeah. lie. Listen, <laughs> at that, listen, listen, I'm from Jersey, but when I hear that, I just turn into a, a AT alien. Like it's just like <laughs> you got to, man. You know, and, and even when you throw like the mixtapes or the beat, when when Jeezy said, he just has so many man. like like notable bars. Like it's man, I will say it like this because I was having this convo with, with some homies. I said, look, Ti has more singles. Jeezy has more anthems, and I say anthems win versus battles, like because yeah, you remember them, you remember and you, them, and you still like them. You do, like I'm not, like come on, bro, let's be real. Jeezy ain't got songs bigger than "Live Your Life," and but I ain't trying to hear that. That's what I'm saying. But that's what I'm saying. People, people trying to hear, you know, uh, that some stuff like off that trap or die or that TM one when, when you hear, you know. Gangster music, or the first time we hear bang, you're gonna see 35 yeah. year old man throwing up gang signs. Like, it's just gonna happen that way, you know? Uh, so, but I don't know, man. I think T.I., uh, I think on one real level, I think he wanted to get some of the notoriety of other people this year. Like, Killer Mike, man, had a great year. This was such a good year for Killer Mike, man. And, you know, when that, when that press conference happened, it, it shifted very quickly from T.I. saying this was Wakanda to, all right, let him stop talking. All right, Killer Mike's listening, talking. Let's listen. And, you know, he dropped a great album. I don't know why he's doing all this, but I, man, I just think the lack of attention, you know. Um, here's what I, Here's what my thing is. And maybe I shouldn't use LeBron James because it's difficult to compare anything here, but T.I. to me, it's one of those people who has a platform and confident in what he's saying. And we have hyped him up hit, you know, with humor too, because of his big words and stuff like that. So he always uses his platform and says things that are like, no, nah, I don't know. T.I. But then the flip side, you have people like LeBron who has a huge, huge platform. He uses his platform to allow others who are experts to speak on things. And then he gives his understanding and opinion on it as well. And that's huge, right? That's that that's something that I think most people don't understand about using your platform to allow experts to help you voice your understanding or opinion on something. Like when T.I. was talking about the COVID thing, it just... And I don't even know if he was 100% serious, so I'm not even going to go that far. And I don't know when it was recorded. Maybe this was recorded back in April or when we didn't know too much about it. But it's Word. like, dude, your voice is huge. Your voice is huge. You could have easily used your platform and your time to be like, yeah, I got this doctor on here that I know. This is what he's saying, and this is this was my experience. You know Word. what I'm saying? It gives It gives credit to it. I'll be real, man, because he got into another issue the other day, man. This uh, black dude got discriminated against at a restaurant, and the restaurant owner reached out to T.I. to try to get him to bridge the situation. And the dude was like, I don't care that you reached out to T.I. I don't care about T.I.'s opinion or the other dude's opinion. And I say that just to say I think it's one of those things this year, to me, this year has solidified why just because someone has money and status does not mean you should listen to them 
or does it mean that their opinion is valid? But also, like you were saying, certain people's motives are being, you know, certain people that I even criticize when they when they say they're not experts on things and they tell you somebody to talk to instead. I respect that. You know, Killer Mike will do that sometimes, even though if I might have issues with some things he might say, he'll at least be like, hey, man, I know these groups are doing this. This is who I talk to. Da da da. I'm like, respect. Um, and I, I just think with your boy, man, <laughs> he just been out here just showing his butt during COVID to hug. But it's been some good laughs, man. Between that it, and the Chime commercial and his beef with Buster Rhymes. And, and let me say this. I'm going to be fully disrespectful. I have no desire to see Buster Rhymes and T.I. in the verses ever. And I don't really I don't know either. who I want to see a Buster Rhymes versus against. Yes, I took it there. Listen, listen. I don't want to see T.I. in a Buster battle, but I also want to be very clear that T.I. do not want any of Buster in the battle. And T.I. is huge, but I, I just, that that's a... I they're two different. They're just two different sounds, generations. Yeah. Like, bro, when you went to school with Jay-Z, which like Buster Rhymes did, and you, come on, fam. Come on, dog. In 2001, when T.I.'s first album dropped, you had already had, like, Give Me Some More and Hands Where My Eyes Could See. You was doing records with Janet Jackson. Come on, man. Like, Y'all yeah, even in the I, same generation. I don't, I don't, the, you know, the generation part, I'm not sure if I, I care too much about. It's just the style. It's like, you know, um, I think I said this to somebody else about Usher. Like, there's not a person that I think can go to a, a versus with Usher, regardless of genre, because Usher is like, like, what are you going to do when, when some of these songs come on, it's like when you hear that after tonight, uh, uh, it, it's a, it, you, you right. don't got nothing. You don't got nothing that you could really Man, pull out. You know, and that's why that's you know why people would have said Chris Brown, though. But you know that. But listen, I think Chris Brown is huge, and I think Chris Brown is gonna hold his own for like five, six, six records. Because, like I said, when you play "Give Me That," and even if it ain't the best song ever, that song make everybody body start moving, right? And do, but. If he play that and then Usher come back with superstars like man, yeah, right, Usher, man. Usher could play nice and slow, or he could play my way with Tariq, and I'd be in the house just hey, you know, like. you, you you know <laughs> what I'm saying? Like it, it's just different, and that and not saying that's how I feel about it's not saying that's how I feel about Buster per se, because I don't think Buster will wipe the floor with too many people, but I think he would win. But there's just certain tracks that Buster would play that. It just wouldn't mesh well with any track that exactly, would. exactly. Like it just, it, it's 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 not the same, man. And and um, uh, and I agree with that, man. I think ultimately, verses have to be about like complementary, you know, styles. Like if if it would have been Buster and like Q Tip or Buster and Missy, uh, try uh, mi- people say Missy. I ain't even gonna do them like that. It, I mean, yes. But if it had been Buster and uh, even if it had been Buster and Nas or Buster and someone else from New York, I think that would have been a great mesh, you know. But I think like and I'm listening now. I'm looking like, damn, it really probably should have been T.I. and Rick Ross. It probably should have been Jeezy and Gucci, which we never will get for obvious. We'll reasons. never get that. Yeah, for obvious reasons. But you know, it's about complementary styles because it's T.I. and Jeezy. What it's gonna come down to is. People are already, I ain't gonna lie, people are already saying Jesus is gonna win that. T.I. is gonna have some songs. He is. He man. is. He is. But Jeezy's gonna have some songs that people not from the South are gonna hear and be like, 
bro, I ain't never heard this before. And we gonna be all sitting like, I told y'all, I, I told y'all, this this is that you didn't even hear this Camp Band of Snowman or you didn't hear this mixtape and we was listening to this in high school, turning up to it. You know what I'm saying? And you know, so <laughs> the nuances of of like I'm not gonna know. I'm not going to know New Jersey rap better than you. I'm not going to know certain Northern songs better than you. And it's the same thing. People was like, yeah, man, T.I.'s going to win that, bro. You don't really listen to Jeezy. <laughs> yeah, you 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 don't. Hey, be, before we get out of here, though, I, one other topic I want to ask you. Lil Wayne. Oh, my God, bro. But you know what, bro? Lil Wayne, ever since he, Lil Wayne and 50, I, I've well, I haven't rocked with Lil Wayne since he said "All Lives Matter," and then he talked about how the the white police officer saved him when he shot himself as a kid, um, as if that wasn't their job. Exactly, fam. Exactly. But I, I will say, man, that part when when I hear them talk, this is when I have to say Ebro is right. There are a lot of rich black men that really do just want to be white men, man, and it's it's sad, you know. Or at least at least participate in white male structure that's it that's it that's it that's okay that's even better to say um but nah man when i heard that from wayne i can never take away wayne's run but this is also why i stand by i don't really look at wayne as one of the greatest because i look at i look at the inconsistencies after because everything that happened to him but i also look at some of his stances man i can't i can't rock with all that i the people i admire I'm not admiring them just for their their music, but I'm admiring them for their whole catalog. Like Pac, for obvious reasons. Even with Big, obvious reasons. Even even though I feel like Pac is the greatest, Big has some stances to where it's like, yeah, this ain't really something you can question. People saying all lives matter, and, and you know, I vote for Trump. Nah, man. <laughs> you know what? This is it. For me, I don't mind somebody voicing their opinion on who they're gonna vote for. Whatever. But the problem that I have is I don't know if it's anything outside of wealth or or income. And it's almost like, all right, cool, that's what that's who you're endorsing. I don't have a I don't even understand endorsements because you can't sw- a, a person can't sway my opinion. No matter who endorses him, I'm not voting for that guy. Facts. Right? So that doesn't matter to me, but I don't know. I've never heard a well thought out conversation from Lil Wayne regarding politics that makes me say, okay, this is not about money. And when I have an opinion that this is solely about like protecting your cash, which is the closest to the white male system that protects their income status, it just makes me say, oh, just another foolish act five days before the election. And and honestly, man, that's all it is. Uh, And I think what you just said was the realest part. Nothing, no decision by any celebrity can sway my decision. Really, few decisions by politicians can sway my decision. So, you know, I think that's just an important thing to say, man. Wayne, you know, (laughs) Wayne Wilding, bro. Yeah. But, man, it's been a pleasure catching up with you tonight, man. No, nah, man, it's, the pleasure's been all mine, man. I appreciate it. Uh, once again, to the people that have been reviewing it, I appreciate y'all. Much love. We look forward to y'all comments. As always, uh, make sure y'all are safe this week, and we look forward to chopping it up with y'all again next week. Yeah, everybody, enjoy your week. Be safe. Stay diligent. Um, you know, 
if you've already voted, great. If you're going out to vote, be safe. Uh, keep an eye on your loved ones. Uh, just protect your, your space and your energy and your surroundings. And thank you again, Sam, for tonight, man. You have a great week. Enjoy your week. Stay safe around those kids, man, and, you know, continue bringing up the future. Nah, man, no problem, man. Make sure you and, the, you know, you and your son stay safe this week, man, and we'll chop it up soon. All right, man, you have a good one. Hey, you too, man. Take care.